Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I need the pad. No, no, I I told you, I'm all in on the demo. I told you that a month ago. Uh Not only that. The Joker should be the front runner for MVP. Okay, oh, come it. on now. Stop Why? it. Why? You're listening to The Dig. What's up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to The Dig. This is Nick. I'm here with Jeremy. We've What's had up? a pretty good uh, stretch of games here to look back on, Jeremy. Yeah, it's been... Um... It's been almost unreal. I, I feel like it's one of those situations where in seasons past, you look at the schedule and you say, what if? Actually, we had an article on the Stiffs that was a what if article, and it was awesome just going through all the what ifs. And it's something you always think your team could do if everything lined up right, and it never works out. No. But here we are on a winning streak with half of our team in the hospital, I, and... <laughs> It, it's it, it is a what if scenario that turned out so it's crazy it's yeah crazy I, I tweeted this earlier this week i think this is the most fun i've had watching nuggets basketball since 09 mm-hmm. something like that and I, I this might even be more fun to be honest because what they're doing right now with the amount of injuries they've had and things pretty well stacked against them all year so far even just going into the beginning of the year without a starter and now being down three starters they're all young, and they're all getting better, and they're hurt. They're not even at full strength. I mean, we're like, they're really there's there's nothing to criticize here, <laughs> what they're doing right now, and that's an odd position to be in as a Nuggets fan. But one thing that we've seen from from all of this is that uh, as much hardship has struck this team, as much criticism has um, been heaped onto this team. Um, as much as these have been dark days, you would think from any outsider's perspective, if you were if you were a fan of this team and you heard that this was going to be what happened to them going into it, where Barton was going to be out the second game of the season, um, where we were going to be down three starters, where um, our defense was going to rise up, maybe Millsap gets the credit for that, and then Millsap was going to be taken away for a long time, it would be hard to see that as a positive thing. But really, we've seen a strong silver lining here. The theme. The uh, the theme here this this episode is the gold lining and um, exactly what have we uncovered here and how much of it bodes well for our future and for our present. That's a series of games that we were already prepared to lose as fans. We right. already had our excuses all written up for us being um, so injured, and they were legit excuses. Three right. of their starters are hurt. They shouldn't have won those games. Right. Yeah. It, it's something else that makes you win those. It's it's not purely out of talent because you're down to your second string players, your guys who even this summer were being questionable whether they could even be traded, whether they <laughs> even had value enough to be traded. And these are the guys winning the games or or at least pieces of it. So it's more than, than purely talent that win those games. There's a bigger picture to the nugget success here. Yeah. And I think that's really the silver lining here. And the reason we chose this as a theme for this podcast is because a, the stars have had to step up. Jokic and Murray have proven that they are an elite core through this stretch and that they have the tools and the skills and the moxie that it takes to be a championship contender. But we've also seen a silver lining in that, These bench players are getting the opportunity to show what they have, what their value is, what their skills are. A, because that's helpful to the Nuggets to to know what we have, but it's also helpful as trade bait, potentially in the future too. Um, And so so moving forward, there's a lot of good that's coming out of this stretch of injuries, actually. Um, We know that Gary Harris is solid. We all love Gary Harris's game. We know he's a great NBA pro. 
Uh, we know what Millsap brings to the table defensively as a silent leader, as a veteran, as a stabilizing force on this team. Uh, we pretty well know what Barton brings to we this team. We think we know. We well, think we, we know what Barton brings based yeah. on like uh, 115 minutes of him in that lineup. Right. Well, we don't. Yeah, we don't know what he brings as a starter necessarily yet, but we have a pretty a pretty good idea of the type of player um, a Barton is, and so this allowed players like Beasley and Tory Craig and and Lyles and Monte Morris to prove what they really have and what they can add to this team moving forward. And I think that's an invaluable uh, part of this stretch. And the fact that they're, they're learning all of this, uh, all of these things about these players and these players are improving before our eyes. And they're also winning is totally unexpected. And something that is setting this team up for serious success, maybe even this year. Winners and losers. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the winners and losers over the last two-week stretch, starting with the winners. Jeremy, who's been a winner over the last six games? I think the clearest one has been Nikola Jokic. Um, I agree. As, as much as he's been are the cornerstone of our team for, for years now, um, what he's been able to do is is – um, the national media and even the local media to a certain degree um, have thrown these, we've all attached these balls and chains to them. And, and there are things like, can he play defense? Um, or, or we should say there's different ways you play defense. We should say, can he impact on defense? Um, is, is he a leader? Um, is he, is he just a facilitator or can he, can he, I already said, if he, is he a leader? Uh, that was more about his attitude. But what about his um, productivity? Can he can he take on more of a role and be the head honcho to really get things in gear when it comes down to it? Um, you know, all these things have been questions that um, that we ask either softly or loudly, like we've seen some people do. And he's been able to answer all of those one after the other, just knocked all of them down. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I can be even a pl- plus a positive on defense. Yes, I can I can take this team and put it on my back and climb up the mountain. Yes, in the fourth quarter I can show up, I can be decisive and I can put I can put the ball in the basket or I can get it to somebody else in a position where they can do it. Um in this case it's been Murray, but so so for him to just to be in a situation that we didn't want him to be in, but to take it and to smash apart all these uh, negative nar- na- narratives about him has been awesome to see. Yeah. Um, shout out to Andy Bailey on Twitter. I'm stealing this directly from him. I saw this today. Here are Jokic's numbers per 75 team possessions this season. He's averaging about 22 points a game, 12 rebounds, nine assists, close to two steals and one block. That is good for 50, uh, 57% true shooting percentage and an almost 10 plus minus box. Um, Andy compared this to Michael Jordan in his <laughs> MVP season per 75 team possessions. Uh, Jordan scored uh, at a higher clip, obviously, 30 points a game. Six rebounds, three and a half assists, 1.8 steals. And he has a 5.33 true shooting percentage and a 4.6 box plus minus. Half of Jokic's. So <laughs> when you compare them straight up head to head for 75 possessions, Jokic is the, is the clear winner against Jordan in an MVP season. Now, I mean, nobody, you know, Jordan's one of the greatest players of all time, so we don't want to go too far with this comparison. And this is one of the, you know, problems with just looking at statistics. But the fact is that Jokic is having a dominant season. He's had a few moments here and there when he's been off, um, where he's he's gone through some funky stretches. He's a young player. He's still figuring some things out, but. When he's on, like he was against the Thunder, uh, 24, 15, and 9 with three steals as <laughs> your starting center. 
um, or or some of these other games through this stretch. He's been incredible, and there's there's no other way around it. He's straight up in the MVP conversation at this point. Um, I've been seeing that all over the place today um, and yesterday, actually, that that he has moved himself into the conversation. Um, not to say he's going to win an MVP this year, and there's still a lot of season left to go. But these numbers, these these 25, 10, and 8, 25, you know, 32, 16, and 4 games that he's, that he's putting up, um, these are monster, monster numbers. And it's the way that he goes about getting them too um he's so efficient in his scoring and he's always looking to distribute you know if there's a game where he only has four assists it's only because people miss shots it's not because he wasn't finding open shooters yeah you know it's impossible to compare Jokic to to jordan um you know different time in the nba uh different positions there's a million reasons why but while statistics is usually used to be concise and specific about a comparison, to me, what that comparison actually did was tell a story about the abstract, about just how important this player is to their team and their team's success. Um, a much more abstract picture there, where, again, going back to the criticisms that people have had about Jokic, um, those are pretty big criticisms. To say somebody is, is bad at defense and never can be good, that's half the game. So you're so that is half of how important a player can be to their team. Questioning them in the fourth quarter is a really big deal. Maybe a little less important, but still a big deal. But the fact that these stats were able to tell at least that this is a huge overall impact, that answers so many more of those questions. And so while we shoot down all, all these criticisms of Jokic, there will always be criticisms. Right now, <laughs> I'm hearing naysayers still say, yeah, but, you know, he might not be good in the playoffs. Well, it's like, well, he hasn't <laughs> been there. How are we supposed to know? Like, <laughs> and he's somebody like Yeah, somebody like Harden, I think that is a fair criticism. He's been there so many times, and he has come up short, or Russell Westbrook. Right. You, you can start to bring those into play, but, but – you, you start to get down where, okay, serious criticisms, okay, mediocre criticisms, okay, now we're getting to these small criticisms. And 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 that's where we want to be at because we've seen it and we've felt it with Jokic. It's, it's awesome to be at this point where, um, okay, hard to compare him to Jordan, but you can look and you can see what a big impact he's bringing. And we're kind of just uncovering to the entire world what has actually been going on here and, and and that's Jokic earning it yeah honestly I, I really think at this point when people are down on Jokic or they think that this is a, somehow a fluke or he's just like a, a product of analytics or something like that I, I really think it's it's just people not having any idea what they're talking about like they just look at him and they go well he can't be good <laughs> you know he's a right. what I, I saw him described as a bag of milk right like he's, he's yeah a doughy big goofy you know, and he is. dude, and he <laughs> is right. But what we're learning is that athleticism, freaky athleticism, like LeBron James has and um, Russell Westbrook has and others in the NBA, Giannis, that's not the only way to be a good NBA player. It definitely can help for sure. And it has helped a lot of players um, be great players. But there's other ways of being effective in basketball. It's one of the beauties of the game. And Jokic is demonstrating that. And I, and I think for play, people that aren't watching him closely, they they don't appreciate the way that he can dominate a game without being an athletic freak. And that's what's so interesting about him and unique. And that's why it's also hard to project what he might do in the playoffs or something like that. Like we don't, you know, as the games really tighten and 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 inevitably things in the playoffs become more one-on-one oriented typically. We don't know how Jokic will respond to that, if Jokic ball is going to be effective or possible. Um, but, I mean, what we're seeing right now leads me to believe that the Nuggets could be doing something new that right. could be a big problem for a lot of people. Right. So uh, give us another winner. Another winner has been Jamal Murray. Um, I think we've seen Murray take a step forward in playmaking. Uh Case in point, his 15 assists against the Mavs, he had, what, 10 in the first half, I thought was his uh, finest playmaking display that we've ever seen from Murray, probably. Um, he 
was able to balance all of that playmaking with efficient scoring. He still had 22 points. He had some big shots in the fourth quarter. And I thought in a lot of ways that performance in the Mavericks game was like quintessential Murray, or or at least that's what we need to see from Murray. That's what we want to see from him on a consistent basis. Not that he's going to get 15 assists every game, but but a, a guy who can still put up 23, 24, 25 points and be getting other players involved. He has right. the talent to do that. He just hasn't shown that he can, can can do it consistently. But if he can keep building on what he's been doing over this last four-game stretch, um, you know, we have something special. Yeah, you know, I, I think his playmaking isn't just a win for him. It's also a win for Jokic um, because – where we're at with the modern NBA, it's so much a game about pressure, about release valves and pressure. And you, suddenly you shift things over to this side of the court and it applies a whole new pressure that the defense has to adapt to. And for Jokic to be able to have this outlet, for instance, we one thing that we talk about a lot with this team that they're a great example of is that they're a team that goes for that A shot. We talk about those A shots, B shots, C shots where um, it's completely different from old ISO ball where you just put it in one guy's hands and sure, maybe he takes a C shot, but you just trust him. Almost like Michael Jordan ball. If you want to go back to that example, you go, this is a guy who needs to shoot the ball no matter what level quality of shot it is. Well, when you have these other playmakers next to Jokic, not only are you striving after, of course, those, those A shots, but now we're starting to talk about striving for quality position where Jokic can pass off to a um, competent playmaker who might be in an A position as opposed to him who's sitting in a C position. And and that just makes the ability to set up those A shots all the more easier. What you're doing is you're shifting pressure back and forth, back and forth. The Golden State Warriors do this so well between Steph Curry, Draymond Green, um, and even Durant has immediately played a huge role in their playmaking, not just their scoring um, mm-hmm. for it, it makes us a legitimate um, modern team. That's not just a one trick pony. So it's, 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 it's something I've been hoping to see out of him. And like you said, who knows what the consist- consistency will be. He's struggled with that, but um, you know, he doesn't need to be an eight assists per game guy. No, if, if, if he can be a quality five assists per game, six assists per game, that that makes him one of the release fouls for Jokic, and then if we can get another guy to step up, whether that's um, a small forward or personally, I'm really excited about what uh, Vanderbilt can bring. There's a lot mm. of talk about how how hidden his playmaking was at Kentucky because um, that just didn't fit their system. Um, if he's a guy who can bring in five or six assists a game, all of a sudden you've got two different outlets. Um, it, ugh. I'm, I'm I mean, dude, just look at this. T- I mean, Jared Vanderbilt is somebody like I've totally even forgotten about. Uh-huh. At this point, I mean, he's a second round, second round pick. We haven't seen. We're not. We have no timetable on his return. I mean, this is a guy that's really talented, and the draft experts were really high on that pick that it's mm-hmm. made. Guy who has all the potential, and he's sort of a irrelevant in in the conversation of this team right now. So. I mean, that just shows you the level of depth that they have. Um, yeah. We don't even need to talk about Michael Porter Jr. We haven't really had had to even consider him for the last you know, month or, or whatever as being anything relevant to the team. And he may not play this year, so he, he may not be relevant um, to this team this year. But, I mean, this is a guy that could be a total game changer yeah. for them if he's healthy. So, um, yeah, not another- to keep going back to the the kind of big picture and the, like the wide-eyed optimism but i mean they're in a really good spot in a lot of ways mm-hmm. right now so, so another winner that i've got for you is mm-hmm. actually i'm just gonna sum it all up the entire bench <laughs> yeah and i'll tell you what i'm gonna leave morris for you because i okay. bet you have one or two things to say about him uh, I love but, Monte. but let me just dance across um a few of these others um wancho he was a guy who we didn't even know if he'd get a chance this season. It was very likely that his role could have been cut down to trash time minutes. And he all of a sudden has proved to be a lethal shooter from the outside. Um, a guy who, who could fit in with any system. Um, we have a resurgence in Craig. He, he definitely 
fell on hard times. He made our offense clunky um, mm-hmm. when he came in for for Barton. Um, but Early in the season, yeah. But he's he's been shooting lately. He's yeah. been doing a good job of it. Yeah, and his defense is just as good. Um, the two games, it's funny to me. The two, so he got a, we gave him a game ball. Um, in that first game against Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and and we didn't even show him. Uh, um, partly because there weren't any good pictures of him. I don't think the media <laughs> knew to take pictures of him. But um, we 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 took a picture, or we put a, a picture of Westbrook um complaining, a close up of that because Beautiful. he shut him down. Because yeah. he completely shut him down. And guess what? He did it again in this last game. Yep. So um, Craig. Um, yeah. To Beasley, the point that we had a little Westbrook temper tantrum. That he oh, that yeah. he threw at the end of the game, and you know Beautiful. that was largely re- related to the fact that he wasn't performing in these two games against the Nuggets. He knew that. He knew coming into that game that he had had a bad first game against the Nuggets, and he wanted mm-hmm. to have a better second game. He didn't, and yep. and that that boiled over in the end. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, the whole way through, again, I, I was saying Beasley. Um, he's a guy who's who's made the most of his opportunity. He's at least showed that he can come in for ten minutes and and be a positive. I really like Beasley's game and not screw things up. Right. I still don't know if that guy, even in our system could, could pull off a strong 30 minute performance. Um, but, but he he showed that if, if you need somebody who can score, who can keep things going, somebody who's fresh, maybe we're in a rut, you can bring him in and he's a guy who has no memory of, of where they've been. Mm -hmm. He can just go in and be an immediate impact. He can make the most of his minutes. Um, Plumley, I could talk all day about Plumley. He's been um, phenomenal. He's, he's just been unlocked th- this season. Him and Monte have teamed up so well. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. One, one of the best defensive players in the entire league, statistically and, and performance wise. So I need to apologize to Tim Connolly publicly, <laughs> by the way, for making that trade with Nurkic. Because at the time, I think you I think I think you, me, and Lad were all really against it, if I remember right. Or at least we were we we thought they gave up. There was no need to give up a, a pick in addition to Plumley, right? Or that's what killed Nurkic. me. That's what killed me. Was yeah. The pick. And I don't know. Now looking back at it, he's such a good fit for this team. He's the right bench center, the right backup for Jokic. I mean, now that he's starting, too, with the injury, he's fit in seamlessly. Right. And I I, I think, you know, I don't I don't know about. The, the the money they spent on his contract or um you, you know what the second round pick may or may not have amounted to but he's just great on this team right now mm. and so i think i think that move has really worked out while you're apologizing i can stack on another i was definitely critical of the contract that they gave him mm-hmm. um it, it there was a lot of different odd angles you could take on that and uh None of them, <laughs> I think, had anything to do with his performance uh, in, in his first season or half season with us. Um, and he's he's earning that exactly. We, we were talking about playoffs. We don't know what this team is in the playoffs. We, we can guess. But one thing is they like to talk about like that magic number eight. You need to go in with eight solid players. Mm-hmm. And Plumlee has completely proven that he is easily that sixth or seventh extremely reliable player. He's a guy who can play um, 12 minutes or 22 minutes, depending on the situation, and make every one of those minutes meaningful in a playoff series, I believe. So I'm excited to see this team go in with that eighth that they have. But uh, that also leads to the other sixth or seventh. Who do you think that would be? Yeah, I mean, it has to be Monte Morris. And (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Monte Morris has been one of the surprises in the NBA this year, not just for the Nuggets. Right. Uh, I, I I'm seeing I'm seeing love for Monte Morris from r- random you know NBA fans on Twitter, national media yep. people and stuff. Uh, you know people that wouldn't normally, um, you know know a, a seventh or eighth player on a, the bench for a team like the Nuggets that's not in a big market. Yeah, um, I think his price tag already has to be over ten million, e- even just a few months into the season when he gets re-signed, um, which probably won't be with the Nuggets. He's he's already earned How a fat you? contract. Oh, I would love him. I, I would, but oh, I goodness. he's gonna cost a lot of money. He he's looking so he's I, still me, leading the league in assist to turnover ratio. Oh yeah, he he won his whole been, career. Yeah, he's well. Yeah, he did in college. All like all four years he was in college, he led 
I think I think the nation in assist to turnover ratio. Yeah, he's going to um, be that guy. Um, I mean, every time I look at his numbers, I'm more and more impressed. I, we we were talking about this last week, and you know, before some of Murray's fourth quarter heroics over the last week. Um, I okay. I'm really high on Morris because he's a he's a true point guard, and I really like his playmaking ability alongside Jokic what we've been able to see and part of the silver lining of this rash of injuries has been that we've been able to see Morris playing with Jokic and Murray Mm -hmm. and that lineup in these fourth quarters of the last three games has been great Mm -hmm. and there's just there's so much playmaking ability there with these three guys and and seeing it all all mesh together has been really working and I'm, I'm just curious now and and this actually you know this might dovetail into our first loser um, okay. who might be Isaiah Thomas because where do you put him now when he comes back? Let's say he's back in January. Because I think what our notion is from just what we gather, not any official reporting, but our notion is that he's still a little ways away. There hasn't been any any talk of him returning anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Morris is playing super solid i mean you can argue that morris's numbers per 36 minutes are better than murray's (laughs) um so there's other intangibles and other things that have to be looked at so i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that he's better than murray but but he's been unbelievable he's been everything you could possibly want from your backup point guard yeah so now we have isaiah thomas coming in you know a former league leading scorer and a guy that's been injured the last couple of seasons, we don't really know what we're going to get from him. How does he fit into this rotation? You know, he may be kind of an odd man out here. So I find it hard to believe that IT has lost his chance. Um, I, I think good players get minutes. And now Morris has proved he's a good player. Murray is a good player. They're not going to... I don't want to say they're going to completely lose out. All of these guys are going to get minutes because they're good players. But what I think he has lost is his safety net. He's a guy who I could see, let's say best, let's say he comes in in three weeks with plenty of season left to play. We're not even halfway through at that point. Um, or maybe about approaching halfway. If he plays, let's say 15 minutes a game for 10 games, and he's not playing well. I I think it is it is possible that he loses his rotation spot. Um, whereas a guy who's garnered that much reputation and history, um, were we in a different situation where our backup point guard wasn't one of the best point guards in the NBA, um, he, he would be a guy who would get a chance I think over and over to come in and do something. Um, so I think it's going to come down to what it do we get when we get him back. Um, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing, um, 100% of the minutes still going to, to Murray and, and to Morris. Um, and just going back with Malone's history and what it already means to this team right now as a vocal leader. Um, and, and this is just, this is a guy who Jokic as good as he is, there's still an argument that prime, IT is still would be the most important player on our team right now on our roster if he were prime IT. So it, it's going to matter what percentage we get back of him, I think. Um, if we, if, well, let's say, okay, let's say, so so let's say we get him back in January, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also be getting back Harris and Millsap. Yeah. Yep. And Barton will be back yep. at that point. You can only play five players on the court at a time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right? No, he's small. You sneak him in. <laughs> you can, you five sneak and a half in the players, corner. We can sneak one in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I mean, I, I, seriously though, like where, how do you fit in? How do you fit in minutes? Like it, I, I mean, for one thing, Lyles is an odd man out here. Right. I think moving I, forward. I, I completely agree with you on that. And he's been disappointing this year. He's had moments. Yeah, I think he still has potential. I'm not. I'm not totally like. He had a good game down against Dallas. On Lyles. He did have a good game. Yeah, he had 16 points in that game. Hit some big threes, but um, 
I mean, we're looking at a rotation. If you, you talked about, you know, when you go into the playoffs, having your eight solid players. Well, we have our starting five of Millsap, Jokic, Murray, Harris, Barton. That leaves three guys between Plumlee, Morris, Wancho, Beasley, Craig, no, not Lyles. Not necessarily. <laughs> um, an eight-man lineup is a pretty tight rotation. Um you're not going to go past nine, probably. We've seen him go ten. Second, second unit. We've seen him go ten, and, and th- I think that's exactly what you're looking at. Is you just have to find him minutes, even if it's just ten minutes here or there in some sort of weird odd man lineup where he's the shooting guard instead of the point guard. You find it and you make it happen because he's that good of a player, and you just find different ways to work. If there's anything we've learned about Malone, it's that he he loves to experiment. Man, we had the you know the two towers with Nurkic. We had running the offense through Millsap. He he he. We have so many so much data on so many different lineups over the past three seasons. This is a guy who's not afraid to change things up at a moment's notice. So, um, that he he'll find. Well, I guess I mean to me the question is, is it better to have that much depth and to go in the playoffs running? you know, two full units is what we're talking about here, right? We have a full starting unit and a full second unit, 10 players. Or is it time to consider packaging a couple of guys together so that you can get your best seven or eight players together? And I'm not sure the answer to that. I haven't really, I'm just throwing it out there as, as something that as the nuggets move forward is something to consider because I, I don't know that we've seen a team in the playoffs run with two full units splitting minutes the way that we're talking about before. Um, Mm -hmm. I have to think about it. There's probably been somebody, but I mean, for for the most part, it's, it's get the best, you know, five, six, seven players you can on a team for the playoffs. Yeah. So I, I think assessment plays a huge role here and, and to go back to the silver lining idea, the silver lining is when you unintentionally, this is a loose definition of it, but when you unintentionally uncover talent, let's say, let's be specific, basketball talent. Now, when all these guys come back, IT included, it's not going to be any sort of unintentional assessment of talent. I think we're going to have to go mining. And we're talking about the regular season. We're not talking about the playoffs. So you intentionally force lineups Maybe when they're not even necessary, you know that Morris and Murray take care of things as point guards, but you put in IT anyway. Instead of putting Morris in after spelling Murray with Morris, you spell him with with IT just because because you're not unintentionally happening upon a silver lining of whether IT could fit or not. You're forcing the issue so that you know come playoffs when you do need to tighten the rotations, you know what rotations work best. Um, and it's scary in the West. It's a scary thing, but I think we're going to see it because you can't afford to be dripping losses out of the corner. Um, gross. <laughs> <laughs> it is gross. Anyway, um, All right, give, so, give me some more losers. Yeah, here's another loser is the haters in the national media, specifically Jokic doubters. Yeah. Um, they look like fools Yeah, at this point. Um. Slam Magazine had Jokic ranked 24th coming into the season. Um, I think they've pretty well been debunked yeah. on that ranking. God, we need to do something. We need to write them or we need to do something. I don't 24th. know. 24th. Yeah, that's it was, it was bad in the preseason, but it looks like an absolute joke at this point. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, we I mentioned Stephen A. Smith earlier. Um, Windhorse. Was down on them. There's there's been a number there's been a number of teams that are uh, there I, I honestly going back to what I was saying before about um the Jokic bag of milk like uh cliche or something there's some play some some people who just it, it, you know you see this in baseball with the way that you know scouts used to look at things like before the Moneyball era where it was like a player needed to look like a good player, you know, like scouts would, would talk in terms of like, yeah, he's like built 
like a good player or he, yeah. you know, he has a, a pretty swing or those kinds like of things. Like Bryce Before, Harper and Trout. Right. Those are Mike Trout, yeah, players. right. Guys like that, which Mike Trout is a great player. But, but yeah, there was this idea that like there's like an eye test that needs to be passed. And a lot of times that eye test is based on athleticism, size, speed, you know, th- things that blow us away when we see it. And Jokic doesn't have those things. And so I think for people that aren't watching closely, um, they're not appreciating the level of skill he has. And that's something that I think we're seeing change in basketball is a greater emphasis on skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm oddly okay with it. Um and maybe it's because I just didn't get enough I didn't personalize things enough to have skin in the game. But um you know I I I understand that there's a ridiculous wall that has to be climbed, one that shouldn't be there in the first place, to get big media jumping on the bandwagon, getting on board with with the level of of respect that Jokic demands, or the Nuggets for that matter. Uh, you know, it's still in the end, it's still a society of presumptuous humans. It's still a boys club it's still a uh fraternity or sorority or uh you know whatever you want to call it where um pure pure objective value is not the whole picture so i kind of knew there's just going to be a ridiculous wall that we'd have to get up but we're actually it looks like we're we're kind of there yeah I mean, it's the, gonna the be way a shaky you couple the of months is you win <laughs> right exactly right? Let's get to the playoffs. Um, Let's win. We don't win. need I'm respect. Okay with we just it. need to win. And then right. you'll get the respect. Right. One other quick loser. The other Western Conference playoff contenders have been a loser over this stretch. Yeah. Because they should it's have made up ground weird. on the Nuggets. This level of injury. Oh, you're right. I didn't think about that. This yeah. was their time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, OKC would have been, I think, tied for first had they won that game. Um, and then, and then they quickly slid to third. And I think, uh, I don't actually know whether that now, but yeah. And you have teams coming now, like the Rockets are starting mm-hmm. to climb. I think we all expect Utah will make a climb at some point. Yeah. And um, they are looking better. Um, mm-hmm. they are looking better. So some of these, these teams that have been surprises this year, like the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Kings, I think we, we expect those teams to fade. Um, I think they're going to be competitive all year, but probably not in the playoff picture. The Clippers maybe will still be in the playoff picture as as a low seed by the end of the year. Um, but they're going to be replaced by some of these these teams that have been getting uh, have been out, underperforming. Yeah, the Nuggets are. I mean, they're they, they've held their they've held their own in a, in a stretch that they really should have been conceding ground. Now, for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog. Barton and IT, Harris, Millsap, plus two more. Jokicin? Yeah, we're fine. All right, Jeremy, let's play a little fill in the blank. Blank is most responsible for the undefeated homestand. Jokic. To me, that's that's a clear one. He uh we were talking earlier about how he's been able to to shirk these uh opinions of him not being able to carry a team. Um but he just proved it. He he's we run the, the game ball and every single night it's it's been him really. Um there's other guys who step up who deserve credit, but every single time it's him who, who carries it. He's been solid from start to finish too. Like there was, there were a couple of games where Murray um, had some big plays in the fourth, but he had weaker games through the first three quarters. But Jokic has just been solid all the way through every game, pretty much through this stretch. I went a little bit of a different route though. Um, I'm saying the defense is the most responsible, and that Ooh. that's really a team ball. 
team game ball that I'll give out because they don't have their best defensive player right now, who's Paul Millsap. They don't have probably their second best defensive player, Gary Harris, on the team. Um, So they're doing it just through team effort. And they're still playing championship-level defense. They're still second uh, against uh, the three on defense, for example. So the fact that they've been able to hunker down, come together as a group through this stretch, and play really solid team defense, even though their their best individual defenders have been out, um, has been key to this this stretch of winning. That's hard to argue with. Uh, And that actually brings up another thing is I was worried going into the stretch that Jokic might give up on defense, Mm -hmm. that by taking on the burden of offense and by not having the good habits of Millsap next to him, that he might slip back into what we've seen in the past. And and as much as as Jokic deserves it just for taking on um, the offensive responsibilities, the fact that he has maintained the defense – and and I maybe by him maintaining the defense, he's kept the pace going for everybody else. If Jokic yeah, totally is doing agree. It, I'm gonna uh, he, do it. He might be be playing the best defense of his career over the last four or five games. I think. Interesting. The plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Next fill in the blank. Jokic's play since Millsap went down. Funny how we were just talking about that. Has been blank. It's been MVP caliber. What we've seen the last six games is an MVP candidate, if you do that for an entire season. Um, right. He's averaging whatever, 25 points a game, 13, 14 boards, 7, 8 assists, whatever it is. But it's even more... I mean, the numbers are one thing. It's just the way that he has dominated these games against against good teams. Um, even in the Raptors game, I mean, you could see, you know, Kawhi Leonard, we saw play a great game and Kawhi Leonard's a great player. He's in the MVP conversation and he was carrying his team who was dealing with a bunch of injuries. Jokic was with him play for play step for step during that game and was just as instrumental in the Nuggets success mm-hmm. as Kawhi was. And the Nuggets won that game by nine points. Yeah. And and to see somebody like Jokic, somebody who we just were talking about, not the most most athletically gifted player in the NBA, not somebody who was highly drafted, somebody who has been disrespected, who has been questioned, who has been ignored, to be playing on this level is astonishing. And I think it's it's finally starting to get noticed. It's it's not a, a one off media member who's talking about him being in the MVP conversation. And I think if the Nuggets are in first, second, third place at the end of the season, uh, we're going to see a pretty heavy drumbeat on on the Jokic MVP bandwagon. Yeah, that was that was compl- that game is a great example. My social ranting on the night. I'm in charge of the the social media, so I speak often. My social ranting for the night was that um, there was one MVP candidate on the floor, and mm-hmm. that was Jokic, because it was a great a great platform to stand from everybody calling Kawhi an MVP candidate this season. Um, it was a great way to exemplify to the entire NBA that Jokic deserves to be in that conversation, if not ahead of Kawhi. And it's this kind of stuff that media needs to hear. You need to put the bug in their ear. You need to say it over and over when he does make a clear display where it's not just him beating up on, you know, the Kings or something like that. Where it's yeah. him going toe to toe with another MVP candidate, you need to not just sit back and say that's great. You need to beat that drum, as you said, of of look, this is an MVP candidate. And so let me lead that into my answer. Jokic's play since Millsap went down has been redefining. To me, mm-hmm. we've taken a player that that we know and have hope for, and now even fans who have followed him from his very first game, see him in a different light. Um, We've had questions. We have to be honest about this. We have questioned him in so many different ways, as much as national media has. Um, We've made our little arguments here and there. We've built our little battlefield um, ground. (laughs) What do they call it? it? 
not blockades. We've we've fought right. for our little positions that we can defend um, in those arguments, but we've never had a solid, solid answer for any of it. And he's redefined the way that we look at him. We now do. So well done. Yeah, I mean, the other star out of this stretch is Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, next fill in the blank, Murray is the blank of this team. Murray is the ceiling of this team. Interesting. It, it's it's something I've talked about before. I'm I'm going to go ahead and throw MPJ out. To me, we can't factor mm-hmm. him in. It's like the question of, uh, well, what if there's other universes? How does that affect our universe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not willing to answer in that question. In an alternate reality, MPJ's back is fine. <laughs> right. it, he's, he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's not on our team. He doesn't factor in to our present or our future. So I'm going to go ahead and and say Murray is our potential because as much as Jokic is critical for this team and he can still get better, to me, the, the ceiling on Murray is so much hot, not higher. There's so much more room for him to grow. He has a really high ceiling and he if he gets there and he's showing steps we talked about, um, if he's able to be a, a reliable, either secondary or even third outlet for playmaking, and if his shooting really that this is a guy who honestly could be shooting twenty five points a game. He should, and be. this and this is a guy who should, yeah, should be, could be again. Potential is what I'm talking about. Yeah, it, it, he's a guy who should be able to pull up almost you know from anywhere on the floor and be that threat that the second he crosses half court you have to have somebody on him at all times a guy who forces pressure like i was talking about earlier no matter what point he's standing on on the court that that changes everything for the nuggets i think that makes us really impossible to defend yeah i'm saying murray is the alpha on this team i've embraced it i think he has the moxie to borrow a word I used earlier. He has the killer instinct. He has the, the swagger, the abrasiveness, the arrogance, I think to be the alpha dog on this team. It's something Jokic just doesn't have. And I, it's not a knock against him. Uh, People have different personalities, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not every athlete uh, is some like, hyper competitive like alpha dog they're just not that doesn't diminish from Jokic's skill sets in any way but Murray I think is developing into a guy who can be the 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 lightning rod for the team right I mean the controversy is always around Murray isn't it (laughs) because because he's the alpha he's the one that, that that spits in people's face metaphorically so would you say that over the past few weeks that because it's just been Jokic and Murray that not only have they carved out a good way of playing together, but that their personality roles have been more defined. Interesting. Maybe so. I mean, you know, we talked about this on, on our last podcast that I had some skepticism about Murray being the second playmaker behind Jokic and, and I've, which is warranted. Loved what I've seen from Morris this year as a playmaker, which has made me question at times whether whether Murray's the right fit as the starting point guard for this team. Whether Murray's out of place, whether there's some, you know, or maybe there's some three guard lineup that might make sense where we can get Morris in as the point guard with with Murray and Harris as the shooting guard, small forward. So, you know, I, I've still been wrestling around with those questions in my own head about what the right role is for these players. Um, but I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Murray as a guy who seems to enjoy <laughs> <laughs> um, causing the, some uh, emotional yeah, problems to the other team. Ruffling some feathers a little bit. I don't know if he does. Um, <laughs> but he does. He sure <laughs> finds on. ways of doing it fairly Westbrook. often, doesn't he? And, and I, I'm enjoying that, and I think that's something this team needs. You know, you have, you have Jokic who doesn't ever want to talk about himself. He never wants to take on any kind of praise whatsoever. Um, 
he he doesn't like being challenged about why he isn't taking more shots or anything anything of the sort. He always deflects. Murray's a guy who's not he's not like that. He is more brash. And I, and I think I think having both of those players together on the same team uh-huh. is a good fit. You know, I I think I think Murray can take some of the heat off of Jokic and allow Jokic to just be the basketball savant that he is. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I see some roles here being defined where personality-wise where Jokic can can be the guy to get mad or or to feel um uh an an onus to get things done and and put the ball put the ball down and say everybody get behind me I'm taking care of this whether it's personal with the other guy or whether it's the refs not calling or whether it's just his need to make something happen in the moment where he gets it done but Murray is the guy who on the very next play can hit a three and just look at the other team right in the eye or say something or, or vocalize something or. Yeah. I mean, other teams don't like having arrows shot at them, right? right? Like <laughs> that's a Murray thing. That's right. not a Jokic thing. It, yeah. And so mouthpiece, I guess is what I'm saying. Murray can yeah. be more the mouthpiece, even though he, he gives into Jokic's leadership of, of getting things done. If that makes sense. Yeah, and for the record, when I say Murray is the alpha, that is not. You're you talking know, about personality. We, we live in a culture, right? We live in a culture where uh, it seems like that's generally considered to be superior. Like you, like people want to be the alpha. They think of that as a good thing. Beta is a negative term for mm-hmm. somebody, right? And I do not see it that way at all. But I do think you need a player on a team to be somebody who can be a lightning rod a little bit. Um, yep. And I'm glad we're seeing Murray step into that role, even at, at the young age that he is, because the other personalities on the team, I mean, Paul Millsap um, is not going to be that, that guy. And he, you know, he is, he is an older veteran who maybe, in a, you know, if he was a different player on a different, in a different mix of, of players and temperaments, he might need to be that guy, but that's, you know, that's just not him. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm thinking about Kenyon Martin from the 09 Nuggets squad, right? You know, that guy that just kind of can get under the other team's skin, <laughs> you know, it's a good, you want that guy on your team. You need him. Um, you want somebody who gets Russell Westbrook to get a technical foul at the end of a game. Like, right. I'm glad we have a player who can get under his skin like that. So, um, Okay. Last fill in the blank before we wrap it up. Blank is benefiting the most from the current rash of injuries. I think it's Malik Beasley. Mm-hmm. Um, I think without I think without Harris, Barton, and IT all being injured, Beasley maybe didn't even see the court this year. Or yeah, you know he'd be getting a couple of minutes every other game or something. Instead, we've seen him as a starter. We've seen him in major with getting major minutes, 25 minutes a game. And we're seeing that he is a, a quality NBA player. He has a future in the league and the nuggets have somebody who they can fill in at, in, as a, as a starter, or they can bring him in off the bench as a, a sixth, seventh man up. And he can contribute valuable shooting effort, defense and playmaking. I, I mean, I think he really has, has shown that he's, an NBA player and that's exciting and something we wouldn't have seen had these injuries not happened. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about Beasley. It's a good choice, but I wound up going with Wancho. Uh, I think yeah. Wancho's proved that he can handle 30 minutes in the NBA game in and game out. And um, for the most part, be, be positive, bring a lot to the position. Um, that was one thing, even in his first season, it took it took a while before he wanted to take a shot or wanted to do anything with the ball other than pass it. Um, I think the spotlights were pretty big for him coming over and and playing in the the NBA. But um, he was a guy who also coming in this season. I did have Wancho slated when you first look at it, and you know the, the minutes are never going to work out. That not everybody's going to be healthy and everything. I still saw Wancho gain about twelve to fifteen minutes a game, 
And I thought that was a little optimistic, but I, that's where I put him at. With Beasley, yeah, I did have him down like around five minutes, you know, three minutes. Right. Um, but uh, but G League. But coming into this season, after last season, Wancho was a guy where, um, honestly, it would have been hard to even just trade him for nothing. Where you would have had to find the right manager who would be willing to look back to Wancho's first season the mm-hmm. end of the first season specifically where it started looking like Wancho could offer something offensively from the three point line. But that you'd have to find the right manager who would be willing to look at Wancho in that way. There's going to be a lot of guys who say this guy doesn't have any energy. He's uh, slow and, and lost on defense. All he has is a shot and nothing. And I think he's earned a contract before we were talking about Morris he's definitely earned a fat contract. Um, Wancho, I, you know, I don't think as much, but I think he's proved that he, uh, he can, he can fill a role on any NBA roster. So um, I don't think Beasley has answered that. I think he, he's answered the questions to the nuggets that he can play a role. But I think, you know, if I'm another manager and you're offering me um, purely to, to, to um, debase these guys into <laughs> debase their humanity and turn them into trade value, um, if you're offering me Beasley, I don't think I'm, I'm necessarily, um, interested other than a flyer, but if you're offering me Wancho, I think I'm getting a guy who, uh, can fill a slot, fill a role on my team, whether I'm one of the top teams in the NBA or one of the worst. All right, Jeremy. So two weeks from now we do this again, are we going to be talking about the Nuggets as a championship contender, or are we gonna be dealing with some bumps and bruises from this rash of injuries? We're we're heading into an even more positive. Um, the clouds the clouds are starting to uh, part. Uh, we're gonna be slowly getting some guys in. Um, in the next two weeks, I, I I feel like it's almost guaranteed we're gonna see Barton back. Um, you know, maybe he'll be the only one we see back in the next two weeks. But there's even some rumors of of Vanderbilt, um, really coming back. Um, I think the idea was to immediately ship him to um, um, G League, but that was before we had this rash of injuries. So who knows? There's a chance if he gets slotted into practice and if he feels good that he might actually end up on the NBA court before he does the G League court. But um, we're entering the next, I'd say, two to six weeks is going to be where our, our reinforcements are coming back in. Gary Harris, I didn't even mention him. He should definitely be mm-hmm. back in four weeks or so. So um, it's going to be – you brought up before, and I actually kind of um, argued with you a little bit over it, is it, the challenge is going to be fitting in these good players. And and that's what we have to look forward to. Um, to be more specific, I'm really looking forward to uh, this back-to-back with the Spurs that we have. To me, it's almost like a passing of the guard. We've had them good – there hasn't been a team in the NBA as as good as they have been for as long of a time. We're going back yeah, to 20, David over Robinson. Twenty years, yeah. yeah. Um, and and now they really are seeing their twilight. Um, as much credit as I have to give Demar. Um, what about you? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm all in on this team at this point. If they lost the next three or four in a row, I'll shrug it off. Don't care. Um convinced that this is a solid team this is a playoff team um at worst a mid-round playoff te- uh, or mm-hmm. a mid-seed playoff team and that they're going to give somebody a nightmare in the first round for sure if not win give me your worst case scenario a playoff seeding worst case scenario worst case scenario for me is probably seven seed okay going against somebody like i'm almost houston Who's climbed to a second seed? I think that's still a possibility now that uh-huh. they're getting going. Yeah, I feel um, I feel like I'm I'm keeping them at third right now. I see them coming back. I'm expecting them to get third. I should say. Um, yeah i I could totally see a a three six matchup or four five matchup against like the Thunder mm-hmm. or the Lakers or something in the first round where I, I wouldn't want to play the Nuggets. Right. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I'm almost. I didn't think I'd be more optimistic than you, but I think my worst case scenario, and this is 
this is not we're not talking about Jokic going out for a long time or anything like that. Just the team yeah. that we have playing badly or 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 hitting kinks. Um, my worst case scenario, I think, is sixth seed. Yeah. It's it's hard seeing them fall back to where. You know, they're not as good as as. Boy, every team is. There. I don't like having this much confidence. It's making me it's making me scared. <laughs> now that we're saying it because that, that goes back to what i was saying with this is the denver nuggets we're talking about here what are we what are we doing if um, you think you're scared i think tim Conley has to be like i was <laughs> terrified saying, he's never had a full a full stack of chips to play with before yeah that's gotta be a scary position It's my French coming out. Oh, uh, oh gosh, cut that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, 